Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode 9. I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. This week we will be discussing how to deal with the extreme loneliness that is inevitable during separation and divorce. Last week we discussed setting boundaries and consequences for breaching those boundaries. Hopefully you had a chance to think during the past week of where those areas are that you need to set boundaries so that you can heal more quickly and demand the respect you deserve. Now we're moving on to opening ourselves up to new experiences, both emotionally and physically. My goal this episode is to help you understand that feeling lonely is natural, especially after the end of a marriage where you lose your partner or your best friend. This was really brought home to me this week because I got really sick this week. I came down with the flu or with something. I got tested for COVID. It wasn't that. My son got sick too, although he wasn't as sick as I was. And so while my son lounged in the family room, you know, playing video games and watching TV, I just laid in bed and I just slept and, you know, put blankets on top of me. And then when I was sweating all of that out, I'd take them off and I was hot and I was cold. I had chills, aches. Usually when you're married, you have someone there who can take care of you, who can bring you soup, who can, uh, you know, massage your feet or whatever it is uh, when you're sick, who can take care of the kids. When you get divorced, you basically have to do all those things yourself while taking care of the kids. Luckily, I co-parent well. My ex ended up taking the kids longer than she usually would have uh, this weekend, uh, and I was able to actually get some rest and relaxation. And so, even though it was different, it was uh, a chance to get some rest, some peace and quiet, but it really brought home the difference that you feel when you're divorced versus when you're part of a couple. Now, on the other side, this time is also a great opportunity for us to develop new talents, forge new friendships, and to grow emotionally. Basically, to learn to feel comfortable and happy alone. So, if you're listening to this in the evening while you're sitting in your apartment or your house, put on some fuzzy pajamas, wrap yourself in a blanket, pour yourself a hot cup of cocoa, and let's talk about loneliness together. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading. I've already finished The Smart Girl's Breakup Buddy. In fact, I'm reading more books than I know what to do with. and They all have these gold nuggets of information that just resonate with me. But another book I recently finished has an entire chapter on loneliness. It's once again a memoir written by a woman. Man, they are kicking our butts in the memoir field. I think this is the third memoir I've read, and they all have been by women. This one is titled How to Sleep Alone in a King-Sized Bed by Theo Pauline Nestor. Even the title applies to today's episode. How to Sleep Alone in a King-Sized Bed. 
let's dissect that a little. I don't know how many of you have actually slept in or seen how big king-size beds are. For me, my marriage bed was always a queen-size bed, and before that, it was a twin-size. The first time I saw a king-size bed, it was at my brother's house, and this bed was massive. King-size beds are massive. It took up the entire flippin' room. You had to shimmy around the sides to even get on the bed or get around in the room. Back in the day, when my then-wife would leave for a trip to see her parents or visit girlfriends, I was able to spread out on the queen-size bed, and it was luxurious. It had nothing on the king-size bed. A king-size bed is for couples who want the space of sleeping alone while still having their loved one next to them. A king-size bed for a single person? It's like building a swimming pool-size hot tub for one. What this title represents is building a new you in a new life out of the remains of your old life and the old you. It's taking something that represents marriage and your wedding vows, the intimacy of marriage, and it's removing the meaning that bed once held. It's no longer you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your spouse. It's now you alone in a massive bed that used to represent your marriage. And I don't care if you have a queen size or a king size, the bed feels lonely after you get divorced. Maybe that's why, for me at least, the opposite side of the bed was basically still empty. I'd fill it up with books and, you know, old dishes and, you know, work that I was doing. But I never really filled it up and actually used it. Theo Pauline Nestor devotes an entire chapter to loneliness. Yet she titles it, The Good Kind of Alone. And that's important to remember. Loneliness is seen as a negative, and it can be. But let's change that and make it a positive. To start out her chapter on loneliness, she talks about driving alone at night in her old beater Monte Carlo. It's one of those dark nights when you can't see anything without headlights. And of course, one of her headlights is out and she gets pulled over. The cop lets her know about the headlight, and then, quote, He turned to go, but then hesitated crunched back toward me through the shoulder's gravel and said, You've got to get that light fixed right away. If the other one goes, you'll be in the dark out here. Looking back, I'm staggered by the profundity of the statement, from the realization that I am just one blown filament away from the black of night, that I am the only one who could possibly say to myself now, You're tired. Why don't you go lie in a bed with a cup of tea for a while? Or... You're lonely. Why don't you go for a walk with a friend? She goes on to describe how she was haunted by loneliness throughout her 20s. She talks about attending the funeral of her stepsister and then heading home and turning on the TV and, quote, on what was surely one of the most significant evenings of my life, all I could think to do was watch Taxi, end quote. You would think that you would want to spend that time surrounded by loved ones having people around you for comfort and security instead of turning on the TV. Now, this struck me personally because it mirrored my early attempts to deal with the loneliness of divorce. I already talked about how TV was the only way I could get sleep during the beginnings of the end, but it became a nightly routine. I wasn't going out, I wasn't socializing, and on the nights when my kids would stay with my ex, even the nights when they stayed with me for that matter, I would turn on the TV after putting them to bed 
and let the hours just wind down while I listened to it in the background and browsed the internet or browsed dating profiles or just gazed off into space. I was lonely and missing my ex for a long time, even though I eventually came to realize that the divorce was more healthy for me. At the same time, I felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like I had followed what God wanted me to do to save my marriage, and it had all disintegrated around me. Now I've since been able to step back and see blessings I received during the divorce and to even recognize specific reasons I was prompted to stay. And I'll get into religion and divorce on another episode, but for now, I felt cut off, even from God. But even more, I could be in a room full of people, a room full of family, and still feel alone, almost abandoned. And it was all mental. I would be sitting there and people would be talking, and I would be in my own world. And it took a while for me to get out of that. For a lot of you, it's just going to happen. You're going to feel lonely at times. Divorce does that to you. It shreds you up and spits you out with what feels like half of you missing at times. So now that we've established that loneliness is a part of divorce, it doesn't mean that we just have to accept that we'll be alone and just wallow in our loneliness. There are things we can do to combat loneliness. And even more, we can come to embrace being alone. Divorce is an opportunity for us to become better individuals, to excel, and to eventually feel really good as a separate, distinct individual. So how do we do that? Well, there are unhealthy ways to combat loneliness and healthy ways to combat loneliness. Heck, there are even ways to combat loneliness that are healthy sometimes and unhealthy at others. So let's get the unhealthy methods of coping out of the way. First of all, let's start with a big one. Joining dating sites or dating apps because we feel lonely right at the beginning. Now, this is how you date nowadays. But joining a dating app right after your divorce or before your divorce is finalized, it's not a good idea. There are some people who leap from relationship to relationship because they don't know how to feel alone. And they don't give themselves time to grieve the loss of their marriage or each relationship that ends. They just jump from honeymoon to honeymoon. Eventually, yes, you'll likely join a dating site or app, especially in this day and age. But right off the bat, this isn't a good idea. And it seems to be the first one we all go to. Flip, for me, I knew that my ex was dating and had been dating. And so I figured, well, I might as well download those apps and start chatting online with hot babes all day. Now, you've got the male perspective and you have the female perspective with this one. Uh, for the male perspective, you know, you swipe, you swipe, you swipe some more and you get very few matches. And then guys in my Facebook divorce group would post about swiping and swiping and swiping and not getting any matches. And then I would hear from women who would get inundated with matches. So you have this disparity between men and women, where unless you're six foot, full head of hair, sparkling eyes, chiseled abs, sexy jawline, and a twinkling smile, you're not going to get many matches. And then the matches you do get don't respond to any messages. And then for women who get tons of matches, you also have to deal with the creepazoids, sending dick pics or soliciting sex from them right off the bat. Now for guys, when you're feeling lonely and all you want to do is chat online with babes, it's a confidence killer when you can't get any matches. 
And then I downloaded a different app and I would swipe and I would swipe and I'd get a ton of matches and I'd start chatting and I'd agree to go on a date. And then I would dread, I would dread as the date got closer. I hadn't healed enough to make that leap and it certainly didn't help my loneliness. This is like using a band-aid to cover a gaping wound. You might be able to cover it and hide it, but the wound is still there. So don't try to use dating or chatting online as a way to move on from your loneliness. You need to work on yourself first so you don't make the same mistakes you already made. Now the second one is closely related to the first one, and that is sexy time. Uh, I know, a lot of people nowadays say that you just need to get him or her out of your system, you know, move on, but this is just like dating. It's not real connection, it's superficial, and it comes with pitfalls and dangers, especially for people who have been married their entire life, who waited until they were married to have sex for the first time, or who are really naive to what's out there. You know, there are STDs, there are liars. Um, if you're getting divorced or if you're already divorced, you know that there are liars out there and that there are people who will take advantage of you. People who are just out there for sex. Steer clear from this. Don't give up on your morals because your ex gave up on their morals. Give yourself time to grieve and get to a place of balance where you can make a good decision. Where you can make true connection with these people you decide to date. And the third is drugs and alcohol. Come on down, drugs and alcohol. It's your turn to shine. You know, we've all been taught about drugs and alcohol in school. From parents, hopefully, we've seen the effects that they can have on friends and family. But it can still be enticing for those who just want to drown their emotions. In Suzanne Finnamore's book, Split, the first night that her husband left, she called her mom first of all, and then she sat down and drank straight vodka until she passed out, buck naked, mind you, on her futon. And then when her mom comes over the next morning, she has ice cream and a bottle of Jack Daniels for breakfast. She also starts smoking again. When a friend of mine started smoking again after having quit for quite a while, I was tempted to use a forceful approach to tell her how unhealthy it is for her, to tell her how unhealthy it is for her kids, but luckily I did a little research before I approached her because I didn't want to mess up her mind. What I found out is that nagging, lectures, being upset, those are counterproductive and they're not helpful in helping someone quit. What is helpful is approaching them and offering support if they need it, offering to help with smoking cessation aids if they need it, and just telling them you'll be there for them. You know, back to drugs and alcohol, just like any addiction, such as food, when you're in a stressful situation, when you feel lonely, you're more likely to fall back into those same harmful patterns. Now, you're lonely, so I don't know how much this will help. But if you're hanging out with family and friends, hang out with people who will be a positive support, not those who will contribute to the drug and alcohol use. Now, I say this every now and then because it needs to be said over and over. Go flippin' easy on yourself. If you do pass out naked on your futon after downing a couple glasses of straight vodka, do not beat yourself up. If you do download that dating app and then feel horrible when 10 dick pics show up in your inbox, don't call yourself stupid. Go easy on yourself. Picture what you would say to a friend going through the same thing and take that approach with yourself. I even had a therapist tell me to practice self-comfort. It's 
reaching over to your shoulder with your own hand and comforting yourself, telling yourself that you're doing good, that you'll be okay, that the reactions you're having to what is going on in your life are completely normal. You know, we all go through this loneliness stage. Not going through it is the exception. And all these phases, these stages that we go through, just because we leave the loneliness stage one day, one week, or one month, or even a year, doesn't mean that it won't come back. So we've talked about the negative ways to deal with loneliness. And I'm sure there are a ton more, like wallowing in your PJs, watching TV nonstop, etc. But there are also positive ways to deal with loneliness. The next one can be both positive and negative playing video games with other people. In this wonderful age, we can meet people from the comfort of our own homes. You can play Clash of Clans and join a clan and chat with your clanmates and go to war with your clan. But at the same time, you can get stuck in just staying at home and not going out and socializing. My son will have his friend over for a sleepover and they will sit there on their separate laptops and play Minecraft. And when everyone was quarantined at home, this was great. And it still is a great way for my son to interact with friends. But it's also good to interact in person, face-to-face, without the screens between you. You know, I didn't do this much. I did play Clash of Clans a bit, but it didn't help me with my loneliness. So now I'm going to go through the things that I feel are very beneficial when you feel lonely. Number one is exercising. You can join a gym or just do this by yourself. But it's a great way to feel good about yourself, to feel like you're not just wasting your time doing nothing. It helps boost your self-esteem and confidence. It raises your endorphins. It can be social. I went on walks. I went on runs. I went on bike rides and hikes. I went swimming. I did yoga. Most of these things I did, they were all by myself. But they helped me feel better about being alone. And then other times I would join meetup groups and I would go on a hike with people I didn't know I didn't know or I'd join the master swim team and you know go swimming you know 3 mornings a week. Here's the ultimate goal. You need to be happy and healthy and content with who you are as an individual without having to rely on someone else to make you feel whole. There's a famous scene in Jerry Maguire where Tom Cruise, a.k.a. Jerry, is talking to Renee Zellweger, a.k.a. Dorothy, and Jerry tells her, You complete me. It's one of those famous lines in movies that everyone knows about, even if you haven't seen the movie, which I have not, actually. But what it does is give people the idea that there is one person out there that will complete them, that the world is full of two-person jigsaw puzzles, and all you need to do is find that person who will complete your puzzle. Here's the reality. Don't rely on someone else coming into your life to make you whole. Work on making yourself whole and happy and complete. You need to reach a point where you can look yourself in the mirror and with the same conviction as Jerry Maguire, tell yourself, you complete me. And then, when someone new does come into your life, you can look at them and ask yourself, will they add to my life? Will they enrich my life? Will I be able to enrich their life? And if the answer is yes, then you found one of many possible matches. And if they leave, which, in all honesty as you date, many will come and go, you know that you are a complete, 
happy individual despite their leaving. Now this will take a while. I'm not there yet, but I am working on it. But at least I have a goal. So we talked about exercising. What else can we do to help alleviate that feeling of loneliness? Well, another thing is visiting family. If you have a close family that is supportive and not negative, they can be a big help to alleviate loneliness. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to be at your best. You can fall asleep on the couch exhausted while your kids play, and it doesn't matter. You can tell them your opinions on Donald Trump or Joe Biden, and even if their opinions differ, you know they'll still love you and you'll still love them. Just know you will still feel lonely around people. We're just working towards feeling less lonely, I guess. Number three. This one is interesting. Not everyone will agree with me on this one, but I recommend seeing a movie in a theater bum, 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 by yourself. There are a surprising number of people who are scared to death of doing this. Now, I've seen movies by myself while I was married, on business trips, even at home when I just wanted to see a movie my wife didn't want to see when I was married. There's something empowering about seeing a movie or going to a restaurant by yourself and having a good time and not caring what other people think. For women, you do need to be safe, but if you're able to find a movie you want to see, some rom-com like Eat, Pray, Love or Jerry Maguire, and you see that many of the seats are filled, you should be safe in buying a ticket and seeing a movie by yourself. Now, why am I telling you to go to a movie? I'm lonely. What good is going to a movie going to do? This is one of the first experiments in being happy by yourself. Try it out. Write it in your journal. Write how it made you feel, what you thought about the experience. You may feel empowered like I did. You may absolutely hate the experience and vow never to see another movie by yourself again. But it will allow you to see that you've been able to do something by yourself successfully. And next time you can invite your mother, your friend, or decide that this is the new you. I've gotten used to going to restaurants and bringing a good book and just ordering a meal and just enjoying myself while I read. This is something that I enjoy doing. Doing, I love doing. I'd rather go to a restaurant by myself at times than actually go with someone else. So, next thing. Buy concert tickets or even season tickets to an event. Buy two of them knowing that you'll have to find someone to go with or eat the cost. Invite someone to go with before you buy the tickets. Have them pay for their own ticket. And yes, the time may come the day of the day event where it's all you can do to not call up the other person and say, uh, I'm sick or I can't make it tonight. When you get into the dating episode, that's a big part of that. But try your best to get out with a friend or family member and have fun. See a concert you've been wanting to see for a while. COVID is winding down. Concerts are coming back. This is a great time to get out there. I bought season tickets to the Utah Symphony and Broadway at the Eccles. And yes, I bought them the same year that COVID erupted. So probably the worst year for season tickets ever. But, you know, we're at the year after COVID and those shows are coming back. So that's something positive. It got me out of the house uh, when I started going to the symphony initially. And when I couldn't use the tickets, I'd offer them to family or I'd bring my mother or my brother. 
Uh, number five, join an activity group or sign up for community education classes. Now, this was actually one of the more positive things I did. I took a pottery class, and I've been doing pottery since high school. When I was graduating, instead of saving my money for a first car, I saved it up for a pottery wheel. So taking pottery classes allows me to use the kiln, the clay, and it allows me to socialize with the other people who are taking the class while also doing something that I really enjoy, something that brings me inner peace. So look at your hobbies and talents and expound on them. If you're a casual baker, take a baking class or start a baking blog. Not for others, but for yourself. This is about working on you. And here's the crazy thing. As you start working on yourself, as you start feeling less lonely, you start feeling content by yourself. I took that pottery class. I took a podcasting class. I took a mindfulness-based stress reduction class. I got to socialize in each of those, which was helpful for my loneliness, but I also improved my own self-esteem and my own confidence. Uh, number six, get together with friends for dinner or to play board games or to go for a walk or just do something together. This isn't always possible. Most of my good friends that I had in high school and after my LDS mission have moved on, you know. They've gotten married, they've had kids, they've moved to Texas or Tooele or somewhere else I don't know about. Try to get together with just your friends and not spouses. There's always pressure that comes with hanging out with friends who are married because you don't know the spouses. Make it more comfortable. Leave the spouses at home so you can reminisce and talk freely about your divorce and your loneliness. Normalize feelings like loneliness for guys or sadness or grief for that matter. This one is hit or miss depending on how close you've remained to your friends throughout the years. But if you are able to get together, it can bring back feelings from a time when things weren't so complicated and when you didn't have an ex to worry about. Number seven, volunteer the hell out of it. There's something about giving of yourselves to help others that just makes us feel good. I'm not talking about the current trend of doing things just to take a video that shows how charitable you are, which are self-serving, to be honest. That's probably one of my least liked videos nowadays. Here I am giving $1,000 to a homeless person. Like and subscribe. Hey, here I am buying a single mother a house. Like and subscribe. It irritates the heck out of me. What I'm talking about is finding something you care about. It might be giving food to the homeless. It might be volunteering at a dog shelter to walk the dogs. It could be volunteering at the nearest food bank to gather food or to sort. All of these things will help you get out among other people and that will help you socialize while also boosting your own self-confidence and self-image. If you have no idea what volunteer opportunities are nearby, join a service website like volunteermatch.org where you can browse the different service opportunities that are available. The benefit of volunteering to serve is that if you find something you're passionate about, you will likely be serving with others who are passionate about it as well. It's a great opportunity to meet people with similar interests. One of the things I did in high school a few times was to work at a senior center that was close to the high school. Now, 
it was forced service at the time due to some unfortunate decisions I made at school, and I won't go into those. Let me just say my backpack was filled with notes from my mother excusing me from certain classes, and none of the notes were actually written by my mother. Despite the reasons behind my service, it was uplifting to talk to these people who had served in World War II who had once been my age and knew so much more about living life than I did at the time. Number eight, reach out to your Heavenly Father, or, you know, even if you're not religious, whatever deity or spirituality can guide you through this. If it's practicing mindfulness or uh, yoga or, you know, communing with nature, try doing that. If you are religious, if you do believe in a God, then reach out to that God for guidance and for help. And then number nine, practice self-care. Write in your divorce journal all the things that you are grateful for. You know, it might be, I am grateful that I don't have to sit in bed at night wondering where my wife is and what she's doing. It could be, I am grateful that I no longer have to dread my husband's business trips because I know what's going to happen could be I'm grateful for my wonderful children and how much time I get to spend with them at this crucial moment in their development. For me, I am grateful for my amazing job that allows me to work from home to take care of my kids. And once you do that, look at yourself in the dang mirror and start working towards telling yourself, you complete me. It wasn't your husband that completed you. It wasn't your wife that completed you. If they completed you, then they wouldn't have left. Why are you mourning someone who didn't have the balls or the ovaries to stay? So, to reiterate what we've discussed this episode, there are many things you can do to combat loneliness after divorce. Some are healthy methods, some are not. Unhealthy things can be joining dating sites or apps, you know, before you have healed. Uh, I have to add caveats because eventually you will be doing this, Just take your time. Give yourself some time. Uh, Other unhealthy things can be, you know, wanton sexy time, drugs and alcohol, wallowing at home. Those are some of the unhealthy things. And then some of the healthy things are social video games, exercising, family, movies, buying concert tickets or season tickets to something, joining an activity group or signing up for community education classes or college classes for that matter, working on your hobbies and talents, getting together with friends, volunteering, and then ultimately reaching out to your Heavenly Father and practicing self-care. Ultimately, what I want hammered into your head from this episode is that if you can get to the point where you savor those moments that you have alone because you enjoy the person you've become, you won't want your ex back to feel complete. You won't need someone else in your life to not feel lonely. I've caught glimpses of that in my healing process. I've caught glimpses and insights into the person I am and the person I can be. And I am excited for that moment when I will be able to completely enjoy who I've become without having to rely on someone else. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to date, to meet new people, to find someone to fall in love with again. But until then, I need to work on myself. We all need to do that after divorce before we move on. Now, let me close with the last paragraph of Theo Pauline Nestor's chapter on being alone. She ends up going for a hike. Quote, 
My stride takes on the rhythm of my breathing. In, in, out, out. In, in, out, out. A stray line from my favorite talking head song snags briefly in my thoughts. The world was moving and she was right there with it. And she was. Somehow that reminds me of the hikes I took alone in the Utah desert on Saturday mornings the year before I met Kevin. I would walk up between the red and white cliffs of Snow Canyon, and my breath would match my feet just as it does now. My thoughts recede further and further from me until the only words left in my mind's outpost rattle quietly against one another like polished stones. Blue sky, red rock. Breathe, breathe, step, step, step. I am alone, but I am alone in a magical way. I am afloat on a raft of well-being, moving steadily down an old river with no intentions of its own. I am the real girl having the real experience, not even one skinny degree of separation between the moment and me, just the blue sky above me, the red rock beside me, and me awake and safe inside of myself. Being awake and safe inside myself being happy with who one is and becomes. Now, I'm going to give you homework this week. I know, you're like, oh, man, this podcast is really going downhill. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you to re-listen to the podcast, or if you have a good memory, choose one of the healthy items or something healthy you can think of on your own, and I want you to do it. I want you to write down your goal, like setting up a lunch date with a friend or setting up a kid's play date with a lady in your neighborhood that you can chat with or signing up for a yoga class or a hiking group. And I actually want you to do it. Afterwards, write down how you felt in your divorce journal and make another goal. Keep doing this. So next week, we will be discussing mediation. When the D word was first mentioned, I started researching the costs associated with divorce, and it gave me instant anxiety. People will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to save nothing, paying lawyers, arguing over everything, going to court. So mediation can be a good low-cost alternative if you're able to sit in the same room and come to a consensus on what you want. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit thedivorcetribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce, and follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember, you are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, The Divorce Tribe. Until next time.